So Matthew chapter 8, verse 18 is where we're headed. I'm going to kind of set this up just a little bit. Uh, as we live our lives, we have to juggle the mundane things of this life. You know, there's just things that have to be done, like, like paying the bills and going to work and cleaning the house and gassing up the car, all those things. Those are things that just have to be done. But as well as all those things, we also have to do things of eternal value, like reading our Bibles, helping a fellow believer out, or making that phone call to say, hey, how are you doing? Let me pray for you, or simply being at church. Uh, we have all these things in life that we have to juggle. Some of them have eternal value, and some of them are just mundane things that have to happen. To put it in biblical terms, uh, being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, since Matthew has a the theme of the kingdom of heaven, us being a citizen of the kingdom of heaven while living on this kingdom of earth presents certain conflicting challenges. So today, uh, we're going to look at texts that Jesus is speaking to the priority of following Jesus. The priority of following Jesus, because we have all these things that have to be done. How are we going to prioritize them? We must be careful that the demands of this earthly life do not push out the priority of following Jesus. Are you with me so far? You have your... Everybody's like... Where do we go? Uh, number one, here we go. Uh, in your bulletins, if you're looking there, I'm going to go kind of fast, I think. Number one, Jesus' unenthusiastic followers. That's a good point. That's just solid, right? Jesus' unenthusiastic followers. Uh, we can blame it on second service, those folks that just kind of sit. You guys sang this morning. I appreciate it. I love it when you sing. I love it when you respond yes, too. <clears throat> I love it when you smile and look alive. Speaking of, number one, Jesus' unenthusiastic followers, Matthew chapter 8, verse 18, when Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples, picture this, it's a narrative, so the crowd is kind of pressed around Jesus. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. Now, there are several occasions where Jesus instructed his disciples to cross the Sea of Galilee. They did it kind of as a shortcut as opposed to going around, uh, around the shore. So I'm going to show you a map just so you can kind of see. Now, this is the Sea of Galilee. It's also called the Lake of Gennesaret. Uh, scripture has a couple of names for it. But, but if you see the lake, he's talking about the Lake of Gennesaret uh, or the Sea of Galilee. And you remember the bigger map. This is the Sea of Galilee. The Jordan River goes out the south end down to the Dead Sea. Israel is on the left-hand side. Does that make sense? Okay, for the six people that are with me, here we go. Yeah, so you can see Capernaum is where they've been. I didn't bring my laser pointer. And they're going to go south and over to the east side of the, of the Sea of Galilee. So the reason that Jesus seems to be, uh, he, he's sending his disciples away, it seems that he is trying to get away from the crowds. At the end of the day, Jesus has been teaching. He's been healing people. He's been casting out demons. We saw that all last week. The crowds, they have seen all these spectacular things and wonderful things, and they've heard Jesus' teaching, and it's good. And they don't want to disperse. They just want to stay crowded around to see what's going to happen next. 
The Gospel of John tells us the same story that's happening here in Matthew 8. Um, But John tells us that it is on this occasion that the crowd, as they're crowding around Jesus, they're wanting to, to declare Jesus as king over the Jews in opposition to Rome. Do you see how that could be a problem? This crowd has seen him do miraculous things. And so they say, wow, here's our ticket out. If he would become king, then he can deliver us from the oppression of Rome. So Jesus sent his disciples. you got to picture what's happening here. Big crowd around. Jesus says, hey, to his disciples, to go across the lake. And then he disappeared up into the hills away from the people. He sent his disciples away across the lake. And then he went up to the hills. He needed to get away from the people. So Jesus sent the disciples away in a boat across the lake. Does anybody see a problem with this? In order to get away from the people, he sent his disciples away, and he stayed there on the shore. This text tells us he instructed his disciples to cross to the other side of the lake. Jesus is sending them Away, So he's not necessarily getting away from the crowd. The disciples are going to take the boat and go across the lake, and then what? I don't know if you guys are like me, but I'm often thinking two or three steps down the road. So, okay, Jesus, you want us to leave, and then then what are we going to do? We're going to get in the boat, and we're going to go. You're going to stay here on the shore. All these people are crowding around you. They want to make you king. You need to get away from them. I need the five-step plan so that I know when we win, Right? You, you guys know because you have, you have either the spouse or the child who the second you get in the car at 8 o'clock in the morning, they say, where are we stopping for lunch and where are we stopping for dinner? And what road are we going to take to get there? My father-in-law used to ask me that. Do you have a map? I don't have a map. Well, how do you know which road you're going to take to get there? I have a GPS, and she will tell me right or left. That's all that I need. Go straight here. Right? It's that simple. Some of us need lots of you know, redirects. You missed your turn, dummy! But that's, that's not the GPS. <laughs> I didn't say anything there. I don't know why. Some of you are looking over at Diane to see if you get a response out of her. I'm not saying anything. The disciples get on the boat. They're, they're going to get in the boat. Jesus tells them, get in the boat, go across the lake. And then what, Jesus? What are you going to do? Like walkie-talkie us and tell us the rest of the plan? That's the joke because they didn't have walkie-talkies. <laughs> they, they seem to be leaving Jesus to deal with the crowd. How and when are we getting back together? What's the plan, Jesus? What's the rest of the plan? How does this play out? Jesus, your instructions don't make Sense. Have you ever thought that as a believer, as a follower of Christ? We read scripture and he gives us instructions and we're like, sure, but that doesn't make any good sense. I don't understand how this completely works out. So whenever I teach things in the, from the Sermon on the Mount, like, like go the second mile to serve someone who may not deserve it. You know what I'm talking about? Or the Sermon on the Mount teaches us to love your enemies. To what end? Or do your giving in secret. Often I get this look of like, Brent, that doesn't make any sense. Jesus gives us a partial picture, and then he expects us to live by the principles of the kingdom of heaven, even when they don't 
make sense. I've often known exactly what God was going to do, and then God didn't do what I thought he was going to do. And I'm like, Lord, you don't make sense. So, Brent, if I go the second mile for someone, if I do the principle of the kingdom of heaven, if I do what Jesus has taught me, and I, I go the second mile for a person who doesn't deserve it, then what? Then what? Nothing. You did what you were supposed to do. But, but what if they don't reciprocate? Because if I go the second mile for them, I'm expecting them to go the second mile for me, right? That's not what the scripture teaches. The scripture simply teaches you go the second mile even for a person that doesn't deserve it. So then there's, the, there's no, then what? It doesn't make sense. You just do it. It doesn't matter what they do. You, listen carefully, you are the one, I'm intentionally using this word, you are the one identifying as a follower of Christ. Yeah, I, I did that intentionally because there's a lot of people who identify as a follower of Christ, but anyway. The responsibility is on you to follow. Everyone say follow. That's the active word here. The responsibility is on you to follow even when you don't understand how it all ends or when the instructions don't make sense because sometimes the instructions don't make sense. And whenever our kids say, why, we get frustrated. But then when we follow Jesus and he tells us to go the second mile, we say, why? And God's like, oh, I'm going to give you more toddlers. <laughs> My point is simply, Jesus' kingdom of heaven instructions do not always make kingdom of earth sense. And so we follow anyway, because we don't understand all the dynamics that are going on. When the disciples got in the boat and started to cross the Sea of Galilee, they didn't know how Jesus was going to get to the boat. And you don't either, unless you've been doing soap and know the rest of the story, I'll tell you it next week. <laughs> Things add up differently in the kingdom of heaven. We have the story of the little boy's lunch. Fed 5,000 people. Brent, it doesn't make sense. I know that's wonderful. So whenever God gives us instructions from his word, we can read them and know that we just follow Jesus even when it doesn't make sense and trust that he's leading us to a better place. You with me? Good. I'm glad you finally got there because some of y'all were struggling with that. Uh, this, is all, this whole unenthusiastic follower of Christ thing, I'm offended. Brent, I don't like your point. <laughs> Jesus' instructions to the disciples to leave and go across the lake are at very least incomplete. We'll see later that the disciples did exactly as Jesus had told them. Um, but as they were doing it, I don't think that they were really hopping to it, Right? I kind of think that the picture is uh, some unenthusiastic followers. They've had a long day of ministry. Now Jesus says, go across the lake. And they're like, he's been out in the sun too long, but we'll do that anyways, whatever. However, there is one person who sees opportunity in the situation. Number two, Jesus's overly enthusiastic follower. Overly enthusiastic follower. Don't look around. You know who this person is. They stick out like a sore thumb. 
<laughs> made you all nervous. Matthew chapter 8, verse 19, he says, Then one of the teachers of religious law, I talked about this phrase last week, it's a scribe. It's a person who would have been very educated in the Old Testament scripture, specifically the Torah. These are very knowledgeable people. And so then, verse 19, then one of the teachers of the religious law said to him, Jesus, said, Teacher, I will follow wherever you go. <clears throat> so here's how I see it in my mind. Jesus tells the disciples to get into the boat and go across the lake. The disciples uh, have this kind of dismayed, uninterested look on their faces uh, because Jesus' instructions don't really make sense. Um, they don't understand what the plan really is, and they don't understand why they're going across the lake. So they may be untying the ropes to the boats. They're getting ready to launch, but they're kind of dragging their feet because they are unsure of what Jesus is doing. You got the picture? Picture your kids getting ready for school in the morning. And then, while they're getting the boat ready, while they're doing what Jesus told them to do, this snotty-nosed little scribe, this super-religious brat, comes hop eyes forward, comes hopping up to Jesus and declares, "I will follow you wherever you go, Jesus." You know this person. They want to be Jesus's favorite follower. He's wearing a t-shirt that says, Jesus' favorite follower. <laughs> you see these people and you're like, oh. Maybe I am, sorry. I'm projecting my bad attitude on you. Go, I will follow you, Jesus. Whatever you do, I'm going to do it with you too. It's going to be wonderful and great. Yay! <laughs> they're overly enthusiastic and they're annoying. <clears throat> We should go on in the text. Verse 20. But Jesus replied, but is always contrast. So little scribe comes up and he's all happy. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. But here's the contrast. Jesus replied. Cool your jets there, Skippy. <laughs> That's what my translation is going to say. He says, listen carefully. He says, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but... The Son of Man, hold on to that, has no place even to lay his head. Got that in your head? Got a picture? Two important things I want to point out here. One is that Jesus tells this overly enthusiastic fellow, I'm summarizing, I'm rewording, I don't have anywhere glamorous to call my own here on earth. You're all excited about this, and you've got your iPhone out so that you can post it all on Instagram and show everybody how cool this is. There's nothing cool. There's nothing glamorous about following the Son of God. He, he cases it in while, while the animals have a home. The Son of Man does not even have a place to lay his head. Are you getting your brain around this? If you're going to follow Jesus, you may not have a whole lot of glamorous things. This is not a glamorous trip. In fact, following in the footsteps of Jesus, because we know the rest of the story in the book of Matthew and Mark and Luke and John, because we, because we know the rest of the story, we know that following in the footsteps of Jesus, I'm saying this in a very literal way, 
If we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, we know that it is going to lead to some pretty significant trials and sacrifices. Are you, are you okay? Well, Brent, I thought Christianity was just going to be wonderful and fun, and we're going to sing great songs, and we're going to worship, and then God's going to bless us, and it's all going to be good. No, as we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, Jesus' life, we read in the historical books of the Bible, the narrative of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he suffered some trials, and he went to the cross and died. Oh, I thought we were just going to get out of this alive. No, sweetheart, read your Bible. Following the footsteps of Jesus is going to lead to some pretty significant trials and sacrifices. Following Christ may not be as exciting or glamorous as you think. Now, here's the second thing I want to point out in this verse. The other important thing is the, this is the first time that Matthew tells of Jesus referring to himself as the Son of Man. Now, we'd kind of expect him to say the Son of God because we're headed towards the Messiah, proving the Messiah in Matthew. But Jesus is doing this from a very humble place. Now, we've got to keep it in the greater context. Matthew is writing to prove that Jesus is the prophesied Messiah from the Old Testament. We've been through that multiple times. Jesus, in this story, he gives himself this mundane title, just Son of Man. Just Son of Man, like all of you guys. Jesus gives himself this mundane title that subtly and humbly identifies Jesus as the Messiah. I am the Son of Man, he says. Jesus identifies himself to the scribe in, a, in humble terms, just like he made the reference to just like the little foxes and the birds, just like, just like the little creatures, the Son of Man, the human part of Jesus has no home. If you're going to follow Christ, that's a principle you kind of get through, you need to get through your head. Well, I need a nicer house. Jesus says, I'm the Messiah. I don't have a home. I need a bigger house. I'm the Messiah. I don't have a home. I need a prettier home in a better neighborhood with a nice roof. That's <laughs> just what popped in my brain. I don't know. And Jesus says, if you follow me, I don't have a home. Cool your jets, Skippy. You with me? Being a follower of Christ is a humble experience. Earthly speaking, there is nothing to be overly enthusiastic about. Are you, are you thinking? Earthly speaking, there is nothing to be overly enthusiastic about. Do we get excited about some things? Yes. I love to go fishing. I love to be on the water. I love, to, I love to come to church and see you guys. Earthly speaking, there's nothing to be overly enthusiastic about. Whatever possessions you do have could disappear in a moment. Whatever good things you have are temporary, and they don't really belong to you anyway. You may be thinking, right, 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 right. Now I know where Brent's going. So instead of being overly enthusiastic, we need to be more conservative, more careful. We need to count the cost. That's biblical, right? Jesus gave us instructions to count the cost. Take our time. Really think about it. Don't commit too fast. Wait until you're 100% sure and everything is in place, right? That gets us to point number three. We're doing good. Point number three, Jesus' overly conservative followers. 
Oh, see, the overly enthusiastic people are really easy to see. The overly conservative folks, they're back in the shadows, and we don't see them very often. They're not quite as obvious. Verse tw- thir- uh, 21, that's where we're at. Verse 21 tells us, another of his disciples, so here's the picture. Jesus has sent his disciples away across the lake. One guy comes up, and he's all enthusiastic. I'll go wherever you go. It doesn't matter where you're going to go. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. And then the second, the third person, the third follower of Christ here, he comes up, and he says, Lord, first, let me return home and bury my father. That seems responsible, right? But, here's the contrast, Jesus told him, Uh, New Living Translation takes a little bit of liberty with putting the word now in here, but it's definitely implied in whatever translation you have. Follow me now. We're not going to procrastinate following Christ. We're not going to procrastinate the instructions of the Lord. Follow me now. Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. So, just because of the culture of the then and there, it is very possible that this man's father is not dead yet. In fact, it's probable because he's here with Jesus. He's following him around. There's a good chance that, that his father is very old uh, and is close to dying or he's very sick and is close to dying. And this man feels the responsibility. Uh, he feels the obligation to be there with his father for whenever his father needs to be buried. Does that make sense to you? Is that reasonable? Shake your head yes. <laughs> it's not a trick question. You have family. They pass away. You feel an obligation to, to bury them. It's an odd text for the week that I'm having a funeral for my mom, isn't it? <laughs> I complained to my sisters all week about it, and they were like, you're the pastor. <laughs> Sorry to be you. (laughs) That is very reasonable. And basically, Jesus' response is, I'm going to summarize here, because we get bogged down in the bed, dead burying the dead thing. And I don't think that we need to, we don't don't need to be reading between the lines so much. What is the overall idea that's happening? Here's the overall idea. Jesus' response is basically, there is always someone to bury the dead. There's always someone to bury the dead. There's always someone to take care of the responsibilities of this world. You okay? There's always someone to bury the dead. There's always someone who's going to take care of these obligations of the here and now. And some of you are thinking to yourself already, I'm not going to point out anybody, but the little bubble is over your head so I can read your thoughts. I grew up on cartoons, comic strips. Well, but Brent, who's going to do, if, if we're just going to put the responsibilities, if somebody's going to do these, these obligations and take these responsibilities, who is going to do all of these important things that have to be done if I don't do them, right? Some of y'all are feeling that anxiety. I can see it on your face. Well, I can answer that for you. Either someone else will do those things, or they just won't get done. (laughs) You okay? They just won't get done. Trust me. Trust me on this. I, I know that I'm right on this. The world has never ended because one person didn't do their earthly chores. 
I, it's easy to pick on women on this one. Who's going to feed my children if I don't? Sweetheart, when they get hungry, they're going to figure it out. My mom, my mom passed away last week, and she was still worried about me feeding myself. Do I look like I've missed a meal? No. I have a credit card and debit card. Every once in a while, my wife gives me a little cash. I can eat. I don't need... I don't need somebody worrying about me. We got to feed Brent. No, you don't have to feed Brent. We think we get it in our little heads that the world revolves around us. And if I don't do all these things that I think need to be done, then the world, the sky is going to fall. And that's not true. It's not true. The overly conservative follower was going to wait to follow Jesus. Wait until I've buried my father and then I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow Jesus later, after I take care of my obligations, very American, after I take care of my responsibilities, then I will become a follower of Christ. You know, after, after all of the earthly obligations are taken care of, whenever I've saved up enough money, then I'll give. Oh, I just went for it right in the chops, huh? When I have enough money, then I'll become a giver. Uh, when I have enough time, then, then I will bless other people. When all of my stuff is taken care of, then I will become a follower of Christ. Now, while I kind of poked fun at the disciples uh, when Jesus sent them across the lake, the fact of the matter is the disciples are the ones who actually followed Christ in this story. They were there for Jesus' ministry in Capernaum. They'd been there all day, maybe several days. They'd been there for the entire Sermon on the Mount. I think Jesus preached it a lot shorter than I did. I think I took eight or ten weeks preaching it. I think it was probably an hour. When Jesus gave them the disciples' instructions, they may not have understood what the entire plan was. They probably didn't understand why Jesus was sending them across the lake. But they obeyed. They did what Jesus had asked them to do or told them to do. My experience with people is that there are those who are overly enthusiastic. They come to church and they say that they will do anything for God. I'll do anything. Tell me what needs to be done, Brent. I'll do anything for God. If you want me to preach on Sunday morning, I'm there. Nobody ever said that. Will you turn the other cheek when someone does you wrong? Oh, well, no, I don't want to do that. I was, I was kind of hoping I could teach a Sunday school class or something like that. Will you be quick to go and reconcile with someone that you've made them angry at you? Well, Brent, that's not exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking that maybe I could run the vacuum, you know, clean up for Sunday morning, put the cards in the back of the chair. That has nothing to do with following Christ. He's given us instructions. And we'll say we'll do anything, but then we make excuses. Even the most enthusiastic followers can find an excuse for not prioritizing actually following Jesus. Does that make sense? Then there's the opposite end of the spectrum, the overly conservative followers 
They want to be followers of Christ. They have plans of being followers of Christ. They're not following yet because, well, other people's sin keeps them from following Christ. I mean, you know that there's sinners that go to church, right? I don't want to go to church where there's a bunch of sinners. I can stay at home by myself and there's plenty of sinners. <laughs> that's kind of the reasoning. It's, it's nuts, but that's it because I just don't want to be around those hypocrites. Well, you might as well go to church and hang out with them because, you know, birds of a feather flock together. You know? All those who are perfect stayed home this morning and all of us who need Jesus are here. That's exactly how it works. I'm not being sarcastic. It's hard to tell when I'm being serious or sarcastic, isn't it? We're like, we don't know what to believe whenever he talks. For the overly conservative, bad timing keeps them from following Jesus. It's just not the right time. <laughs> when we changed uh, to two services, it's like 9 o'clock, 11 o'clock. It's like, yeah, neither one of those times work for me on Sunday. Um, I can either go at 10 o'clock or not at all. Like, well, sweetheart. <laughs> I've been around people who simply, uh, again, don't look around, simply a bad feeling may keep the overly conservative or cautious person from following Christ. I just don't like, feel like I should do anything good for anybody today. <laughs> I have an idea. Start with soap. Start by reading your Bible, spending some time in prayer with Jesus, and then reevaluate how you feel. Yet if you were to ask either the overly enthusiastic person or the overly conservative person if following Jesus was their top priority, they would reply, oh yes, following Jesus is absolutely my number one priority. Most important thing I think about doing one of these days. Church, Jesus is not looking for either enthusiastic followers or conservative followers. He is looking for those who will simply do what Jesus has instructed them to do. That's a lot, by the way. You've got to pause there. That's a whole lot to get your brain around. God is looking for people who will just simply do what Jesus has instructed them to do. Followers of Jesus don't make excuses for disobedience or procrastination. We watched a, Diane and I watched a parenting show, and this lady would say, uh, delayed obedience is disobedience, right? We do that to God, though. I mean, we like to read Jonah and make fun of Jonah. There's a whole long story. I'm not going to tell it. Um, but, but then God gives us instructions to reconcile broken relationships or to, to be kind to people that don't need it or to give or whatever it is. And, uh, and we're like, yeah, not today. I'm busy. Got to wash my car. Delayed obedience is disobedience. Followers of Jesus don't make excuses. They simply prioritize honoring Jesus in this moment. And then they prioritize honoring Jesus in the next moment and the next moment and so on and so forth because we have this habit of saying, but if I do what is good now, what if they do what is mean to me later? And it's the wrong question. The question is, are you following Jesus? Because if you're not following his instructions, then don't call yourself a fully devoted follower of Christ. Followers of Jesus prioritize following over all of the other responsibilities and obligations of the kingdom of this 
earth. Now, church, I'm going to put this in so that you can think about it because some of you are thinking, is Brent telling us that we don't have to pay our bills and wash our cars and fill, put gas in them and take care? No, 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 no. I'm putting this in because it's just a reference back to Matthew chapter 6, okay? We seek the kingdom of heaven first. Matthew chapter 6, 33. We seek the kingdom of heaven first. We follow Jesus First, we make him the most important priority of our lives, and then those other things will happen in a meticulously glorious way. Trust me, they just will. 